right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's good to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. And as always, it's a privilege to have you guys in the house here in Florence. Can we welcome our Lawrenceburg campus? Good to have you guys. Love our Faith Church family. I want to welcome everybody watching online around the states. And truly, we have some people that tune in from all over the world. So it's good to have you guys with us. All right. Well, listen, man, I, uh, I, found a couple, uh, I found a couple memes online this week that I thought were kind of interesting. Here's one that said this, that it's always the first five days after the weekend that are always the hardest. Another, another one said this, I can't decide what I hate more, going to work or my job. Right? I mean, come on. A lot of us, we can relate to that because we use words like the grind, getting back to the grind, the daily grind. We use words like the treadmill, the hamster wheel, the nine to five. When it's halfway over, we call it the hump day. A lot of us have the mentality that we are working, come on, for the weekend. It's like this idea when you take a consensus of how many people feel about their job, the feedback that you get typically is not very positive. A lot of people struggle with the idea of work. They struggle on the job. In fact, a lot of you are anxious already with the idea that tomorrow it's time to go back. I mean, a lot of us are like little kids with our jobs. You know, right, we dread getting the shot, and when the shot's over, we're just glad it's over till the next one comes. It's like the work day, the work rhythm, going to work. I mean, it is a challenge for all of us. In fact, when we look in this room and we look in Lawrenceburg, we look here in Florence, everybody online, we have full-time, we have part-time, we have overtime, we have CEOs, we have entry-level, we have white-collar, we have blue-collar, we have single-income homes, dual-income homes. And so while we have uh, varied positions at work, I think one of the things that we would find is that we have a very probably strong consensus about work, and that is that it stinks, Come on, can I just get amen here early? A lot of us, we wrestle with our job, and we have to ask the question, why? why? Why is it that we feel the way we feel when it's time to go back to work? Why do we dread Monday? Why do we hate it coming? Why are we glad when the week's over? Why do we celebrate the weekend? What is this pushback in the majority of us in this room when we think about our job, whatever it is? Why is it that we have such a strong repulsion? Maybe, just maybe, it's because of your boss, right? Some of us are working for bosses, CEOs. We're, looking, we're working for, um, you know, managers, or we're look, working for people who are directly over us, who don't appreciate us, who overwork us, who undervalue us, and we just can't stand our bosses. And so the idea of going to work is tied with this person, which just makes it almost intolerable. Some of us, it's not our bosses. The reason we have such a repulsion to work is because of the idea of our coworkers, right? The idea of having to spend another day next to them in the cubicle or by them on the assembly line or by them in the checkout register. You know, there's a lot of drama, a lot of pushback. And so the idea of our coworkers sometimes makes it difficult to want to be a part of work. Whatever the reason is, again, it's, it's man, we're, we're, we're underpaid. We're not appreciated this, all the challenges, all the conflicts, maybe we're in a career that we never wanted, never signed up for, but somehow we feel stuck. At the end of the day, there are a lot of challenges for all of us in this room to get into, to celebrate, to even tolerate the idea of work. And so 
I thought it would be really helpful for all of us to jump into a series that we're going to tackle over the next several, several weeks entitled At Work. At Work. As we look at some of these topics of how do we manage the tension, how do we deal with our boss, how do we make our, our job matter, like how does that all fit together? Is it really part of our spiritual journey? And so I hope you guys are here for this entire series. I think it will help, be helpful for all of us, no matter what stage or season of life we're in. If we're in retirement, I have something to say to you. If you're a single mom or a single dad, I'm going to talk to you during this series. But here's what we find is when you talk about a lot of the pushback with people's position, a lot of it surrounds this idea that people just want to have meaning in life. In fact, statistics say that 75% of Americans just want to have meaning in their job. You want to have meaning in life. Well, the problem is trying to chase meaning in life is that the average person spends about 100,000 hours of their life at work. You spend another similar amount sleeping. And so with being so much time at work and so much time at, at rest, asleep, we feel, like we're looking for, we're, we feel like we're looking for meaning in the margins. We're trying to find slivers of time to be a good parent or to do what we enjoy or to make some kind of small difference in our community. We feel like the moments are sparse because we're so invested in work. And so the question is like, how do we how do, we do it? And here's what we're going to tackle today. Here's the big idea where we're going to go is that I believe the solution to finding significance is to connect your calling to your career. Now, I know some of you are like, whoa, whoa, what, what? There's a connection between my calling and my career? See, some of us, we see no connection between our paycheck and our purpose. But the reality is if there will be a shift in our mindset, a shift in how we view what we do, why we do it, to whom we do it for, I promise you, no matter what your job is, no matter what your pay level is, no matter whom you're working for, I just believe that God can put a shift in our heart, that we can love what we do, that we can make a difference where we do it. Come on, is anybody here for making work work? And I don't mean hard work. I mean, like, how do we make it work? Again, so a lot of us, the reason we struggle with our job having meaning is because for a lot of us, we compartmentalize life. Again, this idea of our of our career being a part of our calling, our paycheck being a part of our purpose. It's hard for us to think that way because we compartmentalize as people, especially Christ followers. Like we have our, we have our spiritual life and we have our secular life. We have our sacred life and we have our secular life. And so for us, it's like if I ask you the question, hey, how's your spiritual life doing? A lot of you would immediately go to how much are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you coming to church? And the reality is that's, how we, that's not how we should think at all. It's not like Sunday is spiritual and Monday is secular. What I want you to know today is it's all spiritual. Your entire life, where you work, how you think, how you spend your money, how you raise your kids, everything we do from a Christ follower's perspective, it's all spiritual. In fact, listen to what Paul says. I love this translation, the Message Bible, Romans chapter 12. Here's what he says about your job and what he says about mine. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Come on, we need God's help, amen? amen? He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Wow. Think about how possibly your mind would shift, how you think about your job, how you work at your job, if you believe that work 
was part of your worship. That being on the job was part of your spiritual life. See, a lot of us, we don't, again, see it that way. You might look at me and say, you know, Pastor, like, wow, I mean, your, your job is, um, your ministry is your job. Like, I would love that. Well, well, my ministry is my job. Your job is your ministry. Like, you need to see that God's called you to have a ministry, to make an impact, to make a difference where you are, where you work, and what you do. It's all spiritual. And so we have to figure out like how to, how to really make that work and function in, in our nine to five, in our eight to four, whatever you work. So the bigger question is like, why work at all? Besides obviously the practical side that we need a paycheck, like why do we have to work? Do you know when you open up the narrative of scripture, you find that God is a God who works. In fact, all the way back in the beginning of the biblical narrative, we find God working. Genesis chapter two, verse two says this, On the seventh day, God had finished, come on, read it, his work of creation. So he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So again, we find that God is a God who works in being made as people in God's likeness and image because he is a God of work. He's made us to be people who work. In fact, what's crazy is when God makes everything, when God makes a perfect paradise, do you know that the very first thing that God gave man before he even gave him a spouse was he gave him a J-O-B, baby. God gave Adam a job. In fact, Genesis 2.15, I want you to hang with this verse for just a minute. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Come on, read it with me. To do what? To work. Y'all got to say it with some, come on, like work it. This is why you ain't have no fun on the job. It's how you say it, to work it and, come on, say it, to take care of it. Adam had a nine to five. He had employment in Eden. He had a profession in paradise. Think about this. In the very beginning, the world was perfect without sin, without trouble, without conflict. Everything was right. For many of us in this room, how do you think about what paradise would be to you as it pertains to work? Most of us think if it, we were in paradise, we wouldn't work. Most of us, our picture of paradise is that we're laying on the white sandy shores with waves rolling on our feet, someone serving us a pina colada, non-alcoholic if you're Baptist, if you're Presbyterian, all bets are off. Since we're a non-denominational church, we got a mixed bag here. Some of you breathe. Just, is this a joke? <laughs> a light ever. I think he said it's okay to drink. Here's what's crazy is in our mindset, paradise is the place where we don't do any work. When in reality, scripture says in paradise, Adam worked. He had a job because he was after the creation, after the image of God, who was also a worker. And so what we have to see and what we have to understand is this thing in us that repulses against work, pushes back against work, hates work, wants to figure out how to get out of work. How soon can I retire? How late do I have to go into work? Like we're looking for everything we can do to get out of work. Listen to me. Work is not part of the curse. Work was part of paradise. And see, some of us, we don't even see it that way. And that's part of the struggle. In fact, He goes on, he says this, he says that God made man and he put him 
in the middle of the garden. He put them to work. And remember what it said? It said, not just to work it. Everybody say, work it. Come on, y'all got to help me. Say, work it. Oh, yeah. I dare you to pull into your space tomorrow and be like, I'm here to work it. Say it with some swag. It only lasts about 30 seconds, but that first 30 seconds is going to be golden. But here's what it says. God didn't just put him in the garden and gave him a job to work it, but also to watch over it. Some translations say to keep it. Some translations say to guard it. Guard it from what? This is so important. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this right here. When God put a perfect man in a perfect paradise to work, work isn't a part of the curse. It was part of paradise. He said, I want you, to, I want you not just to work your job. I want you to guard your job. See, the reason some of you are struggling at work is because you've not been guarding your job. You say, guarding it from what? Well, God knew that in the very near future of the time of paradise that the slithery serpent Satan would come into the garden to try to deceive man. The purpose of the deception was to make man no longer surrender to God, but to surrender to his own will and his own way. And so the job was perfect before the curse, before the fall, before sin came. Then what you find is right after, right after Adam and Eve listen to the serpent and do things their own way, that's when the job gets hard. He still had a job, but the Bible says that he had to now scratch a living out of the dirt. It took another level of effort, and it had much lower returns because now he wasn't just getting a harvest, he was getting weeds. See, what I want to tell you is, see, some of you got to guard, you got to guard your job against the enemy. You say, Pastor, are you telling me my boss is Satan? I'm not telling you that, but some of you think that. What I'm telling you is this, that as soon as Adam submitted himself to the wrong person, he started serving the wrong purpose. And if you think you're on the job just to get you money and just to celebrate your name and just to move up the ladder, once you start serving the wrong purpose, it's because you're serving the wrong purpose. When you know who you are and you know whose you are, you understand why you're on the job. Your job is bigger than a paycheck. It's a purpose. It changes how you do things. I'm not saying it's not still effort. It just changes. It gets rid of some of that, ugh, I hate my job. I hate where I'm at. See, if anything's different, see, Christians aren't perfect, but we, sh we should live with a different perspective, with an intentional mindset. And I lose track of my mindset the same way you lose track of yours. Like, I'll be honest, I love what I get to do. I love it. And it's everything I do. When we hire people here at Faith Church to be a part of this team, we hire, one of the things we do in the interview process is the four C's, the four C's. We look at people's competency. Can you do the job? We look at your character. Will I have to bail you out of jail at any point? <laughs> we look at your chemistry. How do you fit with the overall team? One of the most important things we look at is calling. Are you called to do this? We're not looking for people to clock in and clock out. I eat this. I breathe this. I drink it. I go to bed thinking about sermon series. I wake up praying for people. Like it's what I do. It's in my DNA. But I'm telling you, as much as I love what I get to do, there's still some days, like I'm telling you, I don't wake up every day like, woo, I get to go to church today. Some days I'm like, ugh. So we all fight that. But it's something, at the end of the day, something has to shift in us. Why are we doing what we're doing? Three things. How do we make work work? This is what I'm going to answer for us today. How do we make work work? How do we get out of the grind? How do, we, how do we quit looking at our job as the hamster wheel? How do we get off the treadmill? 
Three things I want you to think about today if you're going to change it. Is number one, you got to fire your boss. Woo, come on, somebody. I dare you to walk in tomorrow and be like, you fired. I don't have any job for you, so don't come back here. You got to fire your boss. You got to change your, ben- you got to change your business. You got to renegotiate your benefits. Everybody say, fire your boss. Fire your boss. Let me ask you a question. Who are you working for? Who are you working for? 99% of us in this room, 99% of us in Lawrenceburg and watching online, when I ask the question, who are you working for, immediately uh, uh, an administrator, a CEO, a boss, a supervisor, some person's name came to your mind. And that's why you're struggling on the job, because you think you're working for a person. And when you work for the wrong person, you're always going to have the, right, the wrong attitude and the wrong outcome. Who you serve determines how you serve. Come on, y'all going to agree with me. Anybody here ever have a boss you didn't like? Come on, wave at me, unless they're here. <laughs> Listen, I'm just being honest. When you, don't like your bird, when you don't like your boss, you serve with less effort. You tend to serve with less integrity. Come on, somebody. Like, it just is. But when you feel like you're working on a great team for a great boss, like, you show up and you want to be a part of something, like, you give a little bit more, you work a little harder, right? Who you, who you serve determines how you serve. When you're serving really well, it changes something in you. And so what I want you to know when I say, like, how do you make work work? you got to fire your boss. Your boss isn't Mr. Jones or Mrs. Smith or whatever your boss's name is or your supervisor's name is. Your boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are working for him. And you're saying, wait a minute, Pastor. You're telling me I don't have to do what my boss says? No, I'm telling you, if you honor God, I promise you, you honor your boss. But if you just honor your boss, sometimes we dishonor God. And so something has shifted. Here's what Paul says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. He says, work willingly. Come on, every voice. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working. Working for who? For the Lord rather than for people. See, when you understand who you're working for, it changes everything. It'll not just change the quality of what you do. It'll change the character to which you do it. God reveals himself in scripture with all these different names and they, they're all revealing who he is and what his character's like and what his nature's like. Do you know one of the names of God in the Old Testament, God reveals himself as Jehovah Rohi. It's the Lord who sees. See, some of, you don't th- some of you think that nobody sees how hard you're working and you think nobody sees the effort you put in and you think nobody sees the extra mile you go. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about nine to fives. I'm talking about, I'm talking about stay-at-home parents that are pulling the load at home, raising kids and doing the running. I'm talking about whatever you're putting your energy and effort into. And you think nobody notices. I'm telling you, Jehovah Roha, he notices. He sees. He sees when nobody else sees. But he also, oh, don't don't clap yet because you're going to be mad at me. He sees when you're late. He sees when you put in a half-hearted effort. He sees when you're sitting down and gossiping and lazy. He sees it all. And so when you understand, listen, my boss may not see me, but the Lord sees me. I'm not serving a man. I'm serving God. I'm going to give him the best I have because he gave me the best he had. I'm firing my earthly boss, and I'm hiring my heavenly boss. I'm serving the Lord. I had anybody here have a bad boss again? How many people had a bad boss? Listen, I'll trade war stories any day of the week. My first boss, when I stepped into ministry as a youth pastor, I had, a, I had a, a, a boss, a pastor. He was a good guy. He was a good pastor. He was a horrible boss. 
hell on earth. Truly, for nine years working for him. I tell you stories all day. December 30th, 1997, our second daughter was born. Beautiful experience. See our daughter, Lauren, come into the world. My wife is there doing all the work. I'm holding down the chair in the corner, making it happen. <laughs> Eating Doritos, sipping a Gatorade, just trying to take the edge off. <laughs> and so our baby's born. I, I go home that night. Well, like a lot of churches, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor at this point. Like a lot of churches, maybe you grew up in or you're familiar with, we had a New Year's Eve service. So the very next day after my daughter is born, my wife is still in the hospital, we have a New Year's Eve service, I call my boss, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. Hey, uh, pastor, I just want to let you know I'm not going to be there today because, like, I don't know if you heard, we had a baby. His response to me was, uh, no, I think you forgot we have service tonight. I'm going to need you here. I had zero function in the service. I wasn't singing any songs. I wasn't pre so it's not like I was slacking on my response. I had zero responsibility other than sitting on the platform because we was one of those churches where the pastor sat on the thrones. I'm just telling you, listen, my wife laid alone in a hospital with our new baby on New Year's Eve because my boss was a person. I'm glad you all caught that. We're on the, we're clicking. But I'm just telling you, you know what? I still work my heart out and I still work my guts out and I did everything I did with excellence because I wasn't serving him. I was serving the Lord. He wasn't my boss. God was my boss. And what I did, I wasn't looking for reward from him. I was looking for reward from him. And God sees it all. It's time you fire your boss and you hire your Lord to be everything over you. Change your boss. If you want to make work work, don't just fire your boss. You've got to change your business. When I ask you the question, like, who are you working for? Here's another question. What are you doing? See, again, when I ask that question, immediately we start thinking about like what we're doing for a living. Some of you are like, well, I'm an electrician and, you know, I prepare lesson plans. I wire houses. I sell houses. I stock grocery shelves. I drive an ambulance. In this room, we have all these very talents and, and that's okay. But I'm just telling you, some of you, if you're going to make work work, you've got to change your business. You say, what do you mean? Watch what Peter says. Watch this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well, come on, why? To serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Come on, say it. Amen. See, what I'm telling you is that, that you're not in the lesson preparation business. You're not in the ambulance driving business. You're, you're not in the electrical business. You're not in the mechanical business. You're, listen, we're in together. We're in the people business. Which means while I'm an electrician, I'm serving people. While I'm a doctor, I'm serving people. While I'm a teacher, I'm serving people. Like ultimately at the end of the day, God has given us gifts and talents and the platform of a job not to fulfill a function but to serve people. Now you can still fulfill a function, but through it all, you're here to serve people because that's what Jesus did. So our purpose is not to earn a paycheck but to fulfill a purpose. See, way too many of us, we show up on the job thinking, what do I need to do to get more money? 
how do I get a promotion? How do I get a raise? And we start chasing the wrong thing. A lot of us are victims of the applause monster. Oh, come on. There's still monsters under the bed. We just want applause. We want somebody to pat us on the back. We want somebody to give us a high five. We want someone to say good job. We want someone to give us a bonus. We want somebody to give us a raise. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is when you don't get that, you start living in disappointment and disillusionment. And you start getting mad at people because nobody sees and nobody recognizes. And nobody knows how hard I work. And that's okay. We've all been there. But I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, you got to change your business. When your business isn't a paycheck but a purpose, and my purpose is to serve people, you can go to bed at night saying, I did my job today because I loved and served people. You've got to change your business. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, he said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, which means as we're out in the world doing our thing, because again, our, our work is our worship. When you're out worshiping in the world and on the job, people are watching you. And you need to be the best Jesus you can be because you might be the only Jesus they ever see. Fulfill your purpose on the job. Don't just wire the house and prepare the lesson plan. And don't just do those things, but do it in a way that you're serving people. See, because we've, we've been brainwashed. Can I just tell you this? We've been brainwashed to believe that we need a job. The truth is the job needs you. The truth is God needs his representative in that workplace to bring hope to people who showed up just to get a paycheck. They need to know they have a purpose too. And if someone with purpose doesn't show up in their purpose, but just pay chasing a paycheck like everybody else, it'll be a dark place. But if one person will show up with purpose, knowing that if I pursue my purpose, God will provide a paycheck. Are y'all hearing me today? I'm telling you, we can be contagious with purpose. They're flipping burgers or power company, CEO. It's not about the paycheck. It's about the purpose. So if you want to make work work, you've got to fire your boss. You've got to change your business. And number three, you need to renegotiate your benefits. See, we all... We all do what we do. Like, why do you do it? At the end of the day, we all really do it for a paycheck, don't we? Like, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about, it's all about making money. But let's, let's just dial back for a minute. Let's go back. Some of us, we got to go way back. Some of us, we're going to have to go way, way back. But think about when you were a kid. How many of us in this room, like you can remember, because I can clearly remember, how many of us remember when we were a kid, when we were coming up, even into our teenage years, maybe even, maybe even if I could find your yearbook where you graduated high school, they had those three or four questions they asked, and they would ask, what do you want to do? Come on, most of us, it was about what, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And there was this sense of purpose in all of us. Like, we, wanted, we just wanted to make a difference. Like, I want to do something with my life. I want to be something. I remember... When I was a young kid, third grade, I remember going up on the third floor of Barber Elementary School, 665 Gary Road, Akron, Ohio. Walking up to Mr. McKissick's art class. And Mr. McKissick walked around the room and gave every third grade student a piece of paper, 11 by 17. He said, for the next 40 minutes, I want you to draw a picture of what you want to do when you grow up. And I clearly remember working on this utter masterpiece. Failed to be recognized by most, but it was incredible. And for the next 40 minutes, I drew the picture of a police officer because in my mind, like, wow, they get to protect and serve and they get to carry a gun doing it. 
The uniform's kind of cool too. I don't know what you drew a picture of or what you thought or what you wrote down in your yearbook, but most of us, it was about meaning. It was about purpose. And somewhere along the road, we got hijacked. And it was no longer about what we wanted to be or do. It was about how much we wanted to make. And a lot of us, it went from how much do we want to make. Some of us have dropped all the way down. How much do we need to make? I just need to make this to get by. I mean, do you see the shift from meaning to just money? What do I want to do to how much do I want to make? And I just want to let me just talk about money for a second because, listen, you can break the bank and still break God's heart. And you can also be an entry level for your entire life on planet earth and be a CEO in heaven. So money matters, but not, money's not everything. Again, our, our purpose is bigger than our paycheck. In fact, paychecks, if you're taking notes, paychecks reflect the money we make, but our purpose reflects the difference that we make. See, what would happen if every day you showed up on the job and you didn't ask, am I making money, but am I making a difference? Not am I making money. Come on, ask the question. Am I making a difference? See, that's, that's something different altogether. And here's why it's important. When I say renegotiate your benefits, it's okay. It's okay to want money. It's okay to want to raise. It's okay to want all those things. But, but sometimes we have to decide, do we want to build wealth or build his kingdom? And while you can do both, hear what I'm telling you. There are some people who can do both. Sometimes you got to choose. And if you have to choose between building wealth or building his kingdom, it's always better to go with building his kingdom and let him build your wealth than chasing wealth and forsaking his kingdom. Am I speaking to any believers, Christians in the house? Anybody here loves Jesus? Y'all getting quiet on me. I'm just telling you, some of the dissatisfaction that so many of us, care, so many of us carry about our job, at the end of the day, I promise you, it has to do with the Benjamin. Am I getting... Because if you, if you got a million-dollar check every week for what you do, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to work tomorrow. Nope, everybody would be on time. Everybody work. If you got a million dollars every week, so let's be honest. A lot of it has to do with our wages. And so if we're going to change how we make work work, then we got to renegotiate our benefits. You say, how do you do it? Check it out. Colossians 3, I gave you verse 23. Watch verse 23 and verse 24 together. Paul says this, every voice read with me. He says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance, come on, say it, as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. What he's saying is a lot of us, we're waiting for a raise or we're waiting for a profit-sharing check or we're waiting for a bonus. What I'm telling you is one is coming. And Jesus guaranteed it. You may not get everything you want financially on this side, but God promises to reward you handsomely in eternity. God will not overlook any sacrifice, any effort. God will not overlook anything you've ever done to serve and make a difference in the lives of people in eternity. He promises to reward handsomely everybody that serves him. And when you change your work to worship, God will honor that too. When you see it all is spiritual, God will bless that too. But something has to shift. And I'm just telling you, a lot of us, man, we just don't see it. I, I back, uh, back way back in the day, I was doing anything for money. I came up a hustler, just looking for money. If it snowed, we were pushing snow off, off sidewalks. When the leaves fell off the trees, we were raking leaves. During the summer, we were pushing lawnmowers. And there was this lady way back in the day, I was probably 12, 13 years old, me and my best friend for life, we're still best friends, Mitch, 
We used to go every Saturday to Miss Raritan's house and mow her lawn. She was a hustler too, I'm telling you. She had, and don't feel bad. You're like, she's a little lady. No, you can't hide money. She had money. And so we used to show up every Saturday early morning and she had her house and she lived on probably about, her house was sitting on probably a half acre to a three quarter acre lot. And we would show up and we would push mow her lot. And while Mitch was doing his half of the lawn, I would weed whack the yard. And then while I was, weed, while I was push mowing my half of the yard, he would hand wash her car and, ha- and vacuum it out. And then every other week we would flip. And when we got done with all of that, we got $11. We got $10 for mowing the yard, and we got a dollar for hand-washing a car. Now, y'all, I'm not as old as some of you. I'm not like your, like your great-grandma. I remember back in the day, we got a candy bar for a penny. I'm talking about like this wasn't that long ago. We was getting taken advantage of. Where were the child labor laws at this time? And then every other week, she had a five-acre field in the back of her house. And every other week, we would mow that for an additional $10. I know. And so we would go up there hot and sweaty. We would work all day. We would mow six six acres and hand wash a car. And on a good day, walk away with $10.50 each. And we would stop at the local 7-Eleven and get a bag of Doritos and a blueberry uh, slushy. And one day we thought, wait a minute. We're getting hustled. And so we got our people together with her people, which was us with her. We was talking about forming a union, like how do we make this work? And finally we sat down we're like, listen, Miss Raritan, you can't hide money. We're not doing this anymore. You got to give us a raise. And so, man, we were, just, we, were, we were out on the picket line. Nobody could cross. Her yard didn't get mowed for like two weeks. And finally she relented and she gave us a raise. And the raise was... She went from a dollar car wash to a $2 car wash, from $10 for a yard, for $12 for a yard, $10 for the field, $15 for the field. Like, we walked away like, oh, we're power brokers, baby. (laughs) Until like, it wasn't like a month later, we're like, we're hand washing her car for $2. (laughs) But I want you to know something. I wasn't saved then. I know the Lord at this time, but truly, I believe this with all of my heart. If, y'all need to hear this, if what she paid us was unfair, there's a God who's promised to make up the difference. So I'm just telling you, listen, we go to work and we work for bosses that some of us can't stand and we feel underappreciated and undervalued and our boss gets on our nerves and they overwork us. I'm telling you, it's time to fire your boss. And some of you are in a business and you, some of you are in a business you don't like, you're in a career path you didn't hope for, you're working a job, you're trying to figure out how to get up out of, some of you are in a career path you love, but at the end of the day, what's your business? If you're going to make this thing work as a Christ follower, we have to change our business. No, we're in the people business. And we got to renegotiate our benefits to recognize every hour, every moment of sacrifice, everything I do to love and serve and make a difference, everything I'm doing. Listen, I'm going to be compensated here by my boss and by my company, but there is a greater compensation that's coming that's going to last for all eternity. And when you understand you're never going to be overlooked, when you serve God in the right business, he's going to properly compensate you. He's going to bless you. He's going to reward you. Something shifts. 
something changes in how we view our job. And so I'm telling you, if your boss is there forever and you've worked the same job until you retire and you never get another pay raise, you can work different if you'll shift the way you think. How many people here believe they need to think different about their job? I'm going to go on record and just take it a step further and say it's even here at church where people serve. We have hundreds of people who serve here every week. I'm going to issue the challenge. If you're here in Lawrenceburg or you're here in Florence and you're not serving on a team, stop showing up, sitting and eating and get on a team and start serving. You know why? And I, some of you are like, Pastor, you know what? I'm already busy working. It's all worship. The three things I just gave you are the same three values that we give our church family who serve. Why do we serve? We serve for three reasons. The reason I can ask people to show up and give five, 10 hours of their weekend sometimes serving three services for these same three reasons, God's glory, people's eternity, and our reward. It's about the boss, the business, and the benefits. You're not serving me. It's all for God, it's all for his glory. I'll hold a door, hold a baby, or hold a camera. It's all for God's glory. And we're doing it for, etern- for people's eternity. We're in the eternity business here at Faith Church. I believe that holding a baby, holding a camera, or holding a door impacts the hearts and lives of people. Hashtag life change happens here. Come on, somebody. And so we're doing it for people's eternity and for our reward. People serve and give hours and hours and hours of their time. And God said, I'll never overlook a sacrifice. I'll always honor. Some of you are like, some of you may be serving and you're tired and you're worn out. Our Lawrenceburg campus, people show up early, early, early. Some people get on site five o'clock in the morning to set up portable church. And when everybody else goes home, they stay home, stay up there for several hours, tearing it down week in and week out. God's not overlooking your sacrifice. He will reward you. And so as we close today, here it is. You need to work. Work like it's your worship to God, because it is. Work like God is your boss, because he is. And work like God assigned you your job, because he did. How many people in here would say, Pastor Steve, I need God to shift the way I see my job. I need God to change how I view my employment. Come on, if that's you. Lord, I pray all over this room, including myself. God, I pray this week we would be intentional to fire our boss and put you in place as the one we're working for. God, that we would change our business, that while we're thankful for our career paths and many of us in this room who are making a difference, God, I pray it would always be about serving people. And that God, if we're ever overlooked financially, God, we recognize that God, you will reward in eternity. So Lord, help us to keep all those things in our perspective at work this week. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I know we said it. I promise you, Jed Chapel, you do not want to miss. If you want a testimony that'll blow your hair back, I'm a shot five times and lived. And God turned his life around. You don't want to miss first Wednesday. God bless you guys. We'll see you then.